0: Three, seven.
2: Victory in the name which is above every name. There's no exception for rape or incest. Uh, it's an extreme law. <laughs> and-
1: right now, bones, ligaments, tendons, in Jesus' name, get out here right now. <laughs> so put your trust in. But but some are spewing distorted views of the Trinity So with the enemy, their lives have been bought Whether you like it or not, you will tie get shot No reverence from these reverence, only but You
0: ain't got no in your while. Hey everybody, welcome to the fifth uh, the fifth seal. I did that last week. I, I said the fifth seal when I was doing the master's dog. Uh, way too many things going on at one time, and I'm a confused character. We are this is the Master's Dog episode 40, and I am your host, the Evangelical Norm. Uh, so again, I mentioned uh Just a little bit ago when I recorded uh, Let Me Tell You episode 42, um, something happened to my notifications and I'm almost a week late doing this episode because my notifications got shut off. I don't know if Saints Unscripted blocked me for a minute or what, but I had to go back in and turn back on my notifications in order to get notified when they drop new videos. So I got this video and watched it and now we're going to watch it together and respond to it the way we do with all of our Master's Dog episodes um, and Faith and Beliefs and the other things that we deal with. But this week we are looking at, we're going to be listening again to David talking about the new and everlasting covenant of the LDS Church. So uh, with that, we will go ahead and we will jump in and let David... Tell us what is what.
2: The New and Everlasting Covenant. The New and Everlasting Covenant. It's a very latter-day sainty thing to say, so in this episode we're going to talk about what the New and Everlasting Covenant actually is. There's a lot of confusion about what the new and everlasting covenant is, even within the church. For example, in Doctrine and Covenants 131, we read, And in order to obtain the highest degree of heaven, a man must enter into this order of the priesthood, meaning the new and everlasting covenant of marriage. But in section 132, some try to make the case the new and everlasting covenant is plural marriage, which some early saints practiced. But then you've got section 22, which refers to baptism as a new and everlasting covenant. So which is it, marriage or baptism? Well, none of them, but also all of them. Let me explain with another scripture and then a quote. Section 66 says, Verily I say unto you, Blessed are you for receiving mine everlasting covenant, even the fullness of my gospel. President Joseph Fielding Smith said, The new and everlasting covenant is the sum total of all gospel covenants and obligations. Marriage is not the new and everlasting covenant. If there are any here that have that idea, I want to say that right to them. Marriage is a new and everlasting covenant. President.
0: Okay, so let's let's deal with that for a minute because I wish I'd not let that get uh, go away. But so, um, okay, so the new and everlasting covenant is actually a new and everlasting covenant, and it's all part of a bunch of covenants and obligations. Did you hear that? I got to back this up. Hopefully I don't back it up too far. I got to just a little bit. New and everlasting. Okay. The new and everlasting covenant is the sum total of all gospel covenants and obligations. Did you hear it? Did you hear that? This is what differentiates Mormonism from Christianity in the fact that the gospel of Christ has no obligations. Let me say that again. There are no obligations to the Gospel of Christ. Jesus went to the cross and paid the penalty for our sin, that if we repent and put our faith in Him, Is is repentance an obligation? No. Repentance is a gift. The Bible makes it clear that God gives us repentance. He gives us faith. Everything that we need in order to be saved is a gift from God, not a work on our behalf, not an obligation on our behalf. And then the things that we do do not become obligations, but they become gratuities, I guess would be a word I would use. They become... Products of our redeemed and penitent heart. So doing good works, being baptized, taking communion, things like that. Those are not obligations. Those are products of a changed heart. And they are things that we desire to do, not out of obligation, but out of desire, because of what God did for us. We He changes our desires. So again, this is a really good quote to look at to go to understand that what the Mormons are pre- presenting to you is a covenant or a new and or everlasting uh, what I can't even uh, a new and everlasting covenant, which is based on your works. And if that is the case, you're never going to get there because your works are never good enough. And and I am going to be so passionate about this in this episode because of circumstances that I'm not going to talk about. Um, and I apologize, but I'm just not gonna. I'm I'm not gonna go there. But there are situations right now, personally in my life, that make this far more important to me. That you understand than it has in in a long time. And a, a new and everlasting covenant of works is not going to do anything for you. Trying to do good to earn your way to to make God love you enough to let you in. It's not going to get you there. And it doesn't, you know, again, he's explaining these things out because supposedly these are things that, that people who, like me, who come and talk about the LDS church and how it is wrong and so on, they assume that these are the arguments we make. Well, you don't even know what your new and everlasting covenant is. It's polygamy. It's this, it's that. These are not things that we use that a good evangelist use now apologetics is a great thing, and and they have their place but if we are in a one-on-one conversation with someone on the street i'm not bringing this stuff up i'm not this is this is pointless to me this is not something that i am going to use to argue against the mormon faith i'm going to share the gospel of jesus christ i'm going to encourage people to repent and put their faith and trust in the true christ I'm going to talk about the nature and person of who Christ really is. Those are the things I'm going to discuss and what I'm going to talk about. I'm not going to concern myself with what is a new and everlasting covenant. Polygamy will rarely ever come into the conversation unless the other person has brought it up as trying to move off onto a rabbit trail. So I, I speaking of rabbit trails, I got way far off on that one. So let this continue on but I, I did want to, I saw that and I, it, it, I just wanted to make sure that I pointed it out so marriage is a new and everlasting a new and everlasting covenant baptism is a new and everlasting covenant what was why is it new here, here again uh, another thing why is it new it's not new these are this is supposedly a restoration of what was old right now we are under Christ when Christ came he brought us a new covenant but these, I mean, as Joseph Smith taught this stuff, it was new in his day. That's how I take it. Now, I'm sure David is going to tell me, no, this, is, this is, was Christ referring to as new or whatever. But why is it new? If this is a restoration, is it, shouldn't this be the, the old? And why does it change? I mean, it's constantly becoming new because it's constantly changing. The marriage ceremony, at least the baptism, as far as I know, hasn't changed. I can still recite that um, from the three times I had to get dunked when I was eight years old because they weren't good enough. But let let him continue.
2: To them, marriage is a new and everlasting covenant. President Smith continued, it is everything, the fullness of the gospel. So marriage properly performed, baptism, ordination to the priesthood, everything else, every." contract every obligation every performance that pertains to the gospel of jesus christ which is sealed by the holy spirit of promise according to his law here given is a part of the new and everlasting covenant
0: okay so here again all this stuff if it seems to me like somebody in this group or joseph did not know what the word gospel meant Because according to them, when you talk to them about the fullness of the everlasting gospel and so on, it's rules. It's rules and it's works and it's this and it's that. The gospel was the good news. In order to have good news, you got to look at the bad news. The bad news is all men are sinners. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. That no one is righteous. No, not one. That, you know, all the places in Romans, if you walk down the Romans road that talks about who we are, Ephesians 2, we were dead in our sins and our trespasses. The bad news is, is we cannot work our way to heaven. We cannot follow the law well enough to get into heaven. But the good news is the gospel, and this is all the gospel is. It's not rules. It's not works. It's not anything. The simple gospel is the good news that God Incarnate, Jesus Christ, came to earth, lived that law, active obedience, followed the law to the T, to the letter, never sinned, went to the cross carrying your sin, if you will repent and put your faith and trust in him, carrying your sin to the cross, and he took upon himself the wrath of the Father, which we deserve, so that we could repent, put our trust in him, and be saved and reconciled to the Father. That's the good news. It is not... Uh, baptism is not the gospel Communion in, in a Christian church is not the gospel Ordination of the priesthood Marriage uh, Every other contract, obligation, performance Do you hear the works In there? Do you hear it? Do you feel the burden That is put on these people Who believe this? The burden that they have to carry In order to, to, to please Their God when all Jesus says is repent, put your faith and believe in me. That's what Jesus said. That's what the gospel is. It's not all of this junk. This is burdensome. This is works. Jesus said, "My burden my my burden is easy and my yoke is lighter, my yoke is easy and my burden is light." This is this is not the gospel. This has nothing to do with the gospel. This is works. This is what Charles Spurgeon says, people trying to work their way to heaven is like trying to climb a rope of sand. That's what this is. This is not the gospel. This is not anything new and everlasting of any kind of covenant with Christ. Understand. Now, now here's another thing that we have to look at. As we go back and we look at Scripture, there are two... Uh, two main covenants that are made between God and man. There, I mean, there are others. There's the noahic Mosaic, the Abrahamic covenant. There, there are two that have specific similarities that pertain to us. God made a covenant with with Abraham to make him the father of the nations and and all the promises that God made. And he said, he said, I'm going to make you the father of nations. I'm going to do this. I'm going to give you, you know, out of you and and the, the you know. All the promises about the Messiah, all the promises God made to Abraham, and then they made their covenant. And they took the the parts of the animal, bulls and sheep and all the stuff. I should have looked it up and had it in my nose itches. I apologize for those of you who were watching me itch my nose. For those of you listening, you had no idea I was itching my nose until I just told you I was. Um, And then God caused Abraham to fall asleep. Now, what they would do in those days when two men made covenant together... They would cut apart the, the parts of the animals and they would walk down between them together. And as, in essence saying, if I do not hold up my portion of this bargain, do to me what has been done to these animals. Quarter me, draw me, cut me in half and, and split me apart. God caused Abraham to fall asleep and God walked between the two. This was a one-sided covenant. God says, I'm not asking you to do anything, Abraham. He gave him a a sign, said, circumcise your kids. This is the sign of the covenant. But this this was not a work in order to do, to be the covenant. God said, I'm giving you this stuff. I'm making you this promise. And there's no reciprocal thing on your part. Jesus went to the cross and did the same thing. It was his shed blood. He said, you have no work in this. I did it. And anytime we try to add anything to that, that simple salvation that he gives, we, we dishonor what Christ did for us. And we violate that covenant by trying to take upon ourselves any part of it and say, well, I'll do my part. You have no part. God grants the gift of repentance. He grants the gift of faith. It's why we, as, as Calvinists, we, we look at what we call limited or uh, particular atonement, where God chooses the doctrine of election. He chooses those who he's going to draw to himself. And he gives the gifts that are necessary to be saved. And it's not a work on our part. It's not something that we do. It's something that we receive from him this is all works this is this is burdensome this is hard this is not what jesus promised us in the good news this is not good news this is not gospel this is this is mandate this is dictate this is uh you do this this is law is what this is this is law i knew i'd find the word i was looking for
2: Okay, so the Everlasting Covenant is all gospel covenants and obligations. This is totally consistent with scriptures like Isaiah 24, 5. The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof, because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the Everlasting Covenant. And this sets us up nicely for the next question. What makes the Everlasting Covenant new? From the church's website, it is new every time it is revealed anew following a period of apostasy. It is everlasting in the sense that it is God's covenant and has been enjoyed in every gospel dispensation where people have been willing to receive it. In okay, other well, words, guess it isn't that new question. in the sense of hey, my dad just gave me this new thing that nobody's ever seen before. <laughs> but rather new in the sense of hey, somebody broke this old thing so my dad got me a new one.
1: It's amazing. You're a genius. He's just like new. And that's
2: that's pretty much it but this was a short episode maybe i'll entertain you with some juggling or something on the end screen but now you know what the new and everlasting covenant is don't get it confused with a new and everlasting covenant check out the links in the description for more info on this and have a great day
0: okay so uh we will remove that and uh finish this out again So he kind of answered the question about new. But the problem with that is, is what you're saying is the covenant that Christ made was able to be broken. And Jesus said, you know, that many places that that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. And what you're saying in these times of apostasy is that, yes, Jesus didn't know what he was talking about. The gates of hell did prevail for a while. And there's constantly these needs for restoration and whatnot. And the broken thing. If the covenant that Christ made can be broken, which we can't because it's his covenant, he's perfect. So what you are saying by saying that that covenant can be broken is that Christ failed. Is that Christ is a failure in some way and he's constantly having to come back and go, man, I failed again. Let me start this over. No, Jesus does not fail. The gates of hell will not prevail against his church. And it never did. You know, now whether or not there are many different doctrines and denominations and things that have gone astray from the true word of God. Absolutely. But Christ has made it clear that there has always been a remnant of his church of faithful believers, because he said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And if you think that at any time the gates of hell did, you're calling Christ a liar, and I don't want to be in your shoes when you're doing that. Jesus did not fail at any time, place, or ever. His covenant is everlasting, His covenant is unbreakable. His covenant, He said, Those that you've given me, no one can snatch from my hand. Not even you can take yourself out of the hand of Christ, it is secure. If, if, Christ, if Christ has you, if the Father has given, to you, given you to Christ, then drawn you and, and placed you in his hand, then nothing can pluck you out. The gates of hell cannot prevail against it. That is, is concrete. That is absolute. That is Christ's word. And, and he does not fail. Bottom line whatever the new and everlasting covenant is, is pointless because it does not match up to what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. So for my Mormon friend, reject the false gospel. Reject it, renounce it. Get away from it, because it cannot give you salvation. There will be those who pass from this world to the next, believing the lies that Joseph Smith taught, and every prophet from, prophet from that point down has taught, that will find themselves in hell, justifiably because of following a false Christ, a false God, a false gospel. I beg you to hear what I talked about as the gospel of Christ, to hear the words that I've I've shared here and, and look into it. Go read the Bible for yourself. Read John, read the gospels, read the epistles. Learn what it is that Jesus has really done for you and who he really is. He's not the brother of Lucifer. He's his creator. There's nothing that is created that Jesus didn't create. Understand who he really is and what he really wants from you. And please turn in repentance and faith in what he did and in nothing that you can do. And my Christian friend, as always, share that gospel at all times. Use words, because they are necessary. And until next week, Soli Deo Gloria.